church family, right before we uh, go into the morning message, um, those of you that have been with me a long time, you know uh, I don't push books or, or ministers or anything, but I really feel prompted of the Lord to make this available to our congregation as well. Several years ago, I read this book by Carter Conlon called The 180 Degree Christian, Serving Christ in a Culture of Excess. And the premise is this, the world and sadly often the church are walking in a similar path. One may use buzzwords and Christian phrases, but the lifestyle, the choices, uh, the direction, the tempo, and the premise is that as an individual, not as someone else telling you how to do it, but we generally need to make a 180 degree turn and walk against the current of this world, uh, follow after the Lord, deny ourselves, take upon ourselves the cross, God's will for our life, and follow Him closely. Uh, we are teaching this in our Sunday school class on Sunday mornings at 9 and on Wednesday nights as well at, at 6.30. But I, if you view me as your pastor, if you tell people, that's my pastor, I want you to read this book with us. I want you to pray over it. I am not taking our church on the 180 degree challenge. I'm not gonna try to oversee it and monitor it. I just believe that this message is applicable for this house at this time. Uh, the paperbacks are $5, the hardbacks are $10. Now listen, if you don't have the money, you just take one. We're not trying to merchandise or something. But I wanted to make it available to you. And here's what I ask, not just that you get one. Read it and then go back and read it slowly. However you do, the goal is not to get to the end of the book. The goal is read until you hear the Lord's voice and shut the book. It could take you a year. It could take you three months. It could take you a week. And just, it's not even journal. It's just, I hear you, Lord, about this. I hear you about this. And I believe that this 180 degree turn will change our 100% view of God, ourself, our destination. And I already have the witness in my heart. I'm seeing pockets of God's spirit, uh, flames that are flicking up and, and prayer the other night as a, a sister prayed. It was just like a, a burst of glory. And all of us in the prayer meeting began to weep and God's presence was there. And I believe it's as we turn away. I can't look at what the world's looking at and see God. And so uh, I didn't want it to be like a, a you know, table up here and, and just selling and buying. But if, if you want to make this commitment, okay, Lord, I, I want to get one of these. I want us to come up. And I just thought there would be a better turnout if I did it this way and just told you my heart instead of, hey, back, get this book in the back. And so if you want to make a check, make it to Christ Chapel. Uh, $5 again for the paperback, uh, 10 for this. And if you want to include money for someone that doesn't have, that's fine. But uh, guys, if you just put something on music-wise, and I want to invite you to take this journey with us, okay? So uh, those that would like to join, and it'll take a while to find your checkbook, uh, debit card. We don't have a machine or nothing yet, so, you know. <laughs>
Will you take these to the back for me? All right, now I'm going to tell you the good news. Uh, in the next week or two, I forgot if it's Sunday or the following, we've got a missionary friend of ours uh, that's going to Uganda. And uh, they're just people like you and I that have answered the call, and they're going to spend the next several years in Uganda not only building wells and schools, but every dollar that come in this morning, we're going to pass it on to them as well as take up an offering. Isn't that wonderful? So... Y'all stand with me this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Reading the first two verses, I'm going to read it out of several translations. If the Lord Jesus tarries his coming, I want to spend the next several weeks. I don't know how long. It could be eight weeks. It could be ten weeks. I want to speak and teach you really on a series of the words by faith, by faith. I want everyone to pay attention here because I'll probably say this each Sunday. I want you to get the gist of this. I felt the Lord drop in my heart. And when I say that, of course, I don't hear the audible voice of God. I don't have any clearer channel than you. But if I'm going to preach and teach, I'd like to know his heart. I don't want to just open my Bible and, you know, do this. And this thought came to my heart as I was meditating about and praying, asking the Lord, the next thing to share is that misconceptions about faith lead us in the wrong directions. They take us at the wrong pace. They begin with the wrong motive and they end with the wrong results. The, the, the title he gave me was By Faith, Facts, Myths, and Miracles. Because there are miracles in faith and, that faith, and there's facts, but there's also great myths that lead to great error. And the basis of this series is this. Much of the teaching in the last 20 or 30 years that I've heard about faith was about us getting something from God. But if you read Hebrews 11, the great roll call of faith, it was about God getting something from people. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. By faith, Noah built an ark to the saving of his soul. By faith... Uh, uh, sacrifices were made uh, that stopped the mouth of lions. They were thrown in lions. It was about something coming from them organically, not systematically, not taught, not steps to obtain. It was the expression of a man's soul in believing in the existence of God and the person of God and the nature of God, which resulted in them calling out to God and receiving from God. But faith is about offering. Not money, not giving God. It's not that. It's offering of my thoughts, my feelings, my desires, my intentions, my focus. You're it from me, God. And that type of faith pleases the Lord. So that's the premise. We're going to study faith not so much to get something out of God, but for God to get more out of us knowing that faith pleases him and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And the blessing comes. The problem is my generation sought blessing and never got God. N- never got the Lord. And it was, they were uh, silos that blessing flowed into. And they said we're rich and increased with good and have need of nothing. And God would say, you're destitute, blind, naked, and poor, and you don't even know it. And so we're going to study this faith, facts, myths, and miracles. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. If you're there, say amen. I'm going to read out to King Jimmy first. The Bible Paul preached out of. 
Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. So it wasn't just picking something, believing it exists, and it happening in my life like we've been taught. Faith was the evidence, the Bible says, of things hoped, or the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Their life, their testimony, received a grade by God, and God said they passed. So they didn't pass because they got something from God. They passed because something was offered to God. Out of the Darby translation. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For in the power of this faith, the elders had, a great, had obtained a testimony. Bible in basic English. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the sign that the things not seen are true. For by it, people won God's approval. So what we receive is not just the answer to our prayer. What we're seeking for is God's approval. That's what faith is designed for. And finally, in the Amplified, now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. For by faith, trust, and holy fervor born of faith, the men of old had a divine testimony bored to them, and they obtained a good report. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Part one, I want to talk to you for the next few moments about authentic faith. And I know you don't mind, but I want to pray for myself in front of you, and I ask you to join me very quickly with this. Lord God, I just humble myself before you this morning. I truly do. I, I know that we are small, and we are finite, and at best an unprofitable servant, but I know you can use me this morning, Lord. And I don't mean that in a self-deprecating way. I mean that, and I see myself very clearly. If it were not for your grace, oh, Lord, I would be consumed. But I offer you myself today in the study of your word and the preparation and asking that you would anoint my lips, oh, Lord, that they would be like the pen of a ready writer, writing notes to our soul that go in like an arrow, go deep like water to the lowest point, and may we grow thereby with the eyes of our understanding being opened that we might comprehend the height and the breadth and the depth and the length of the love of God for us. Teach us what faith is. Teach us what it's not and open our lives up to the miraculous, the divine revelation of God's nature, will, and blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. Authentic faith is part one. Authentic faith. Authentic means genuine, not counterfeit. Counterfeit means somebody else makes it beside the one that's authorized to make it. I can't get faith from you. I can't borrow your faith. It's either genuine or it's not. It's either internal or it's not. It's either approved or disapproved. There's a lot of faith. I met with a lady at one of the shops up here by Publix the other day, and she told me about the temple she worships in, and she has faith. And I began to share the gospel with her and the message of Christ. And her faith is not an authentic one. It's sincere. And she was very kind, but it wasn't one born of God's spirit. It wasn't one that uh, approved by him. And authentic faith is a prerequisite if you're taking notes. Number one, it is a prerequisite. 
In Ephesians 2, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Our faith is the channel that grace travels to us, not the switch that makes it possible for us. Faith is the channel. Faith is a belief system that positions the Christian, positions the believer in front of God, recognizing that God is, and it's a channel that makes grace available. It is not something I bring to God and he has to flip the switch. I've heard it taught that God has to react. God has to respond. No, no. He's God. Back up and come again. There's no, I have the right. No, you have privileges. You have privileges. Grace is a channel. I mean, faith is a channel, not a light switch. You can't tell me step one, step two, step three, and you got it. Well, what if God wants to do something in me between steps two and three? You see? So faith is the channel, and it must be authentic. And it's the channel by which God responds to us as we express what comes out of us, touches his heart, reaches his ears, moves him, and it shows our maturity or immaturity. Our faith must be personal. I shared it with you. It can't be imitated or borrowed or duplicated or substituted. It must be genuine, no mixture. No, a little bit of faith from this religion, a little bit of faith from this. Well, I believe that Jesus was a, a prophet and I believe he's a son of God, but there are other gods. No, faith for the Christian is an all-inclusive, exclusive, firm, reliant trust in the person of Jesus Christ fully. And it must be, it must be natural. It's not, well, I, I believe, you know, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, the devil believes he's the Son of God. Demons would say, ah, what have we to do with you, Jesus, Holy One of Israel? We know who you are. So it's not a mental assent. It's an outworking of an, of a, an inward reality. And our faith is expressed in many ways. In our worship, in our words, in our countenance. Let me just give you a couple examples. When there's, no, when there's no fear, that's my faith being expressed. I'm not trying to get something. I'm showing God something that's already there. I trust in you. I'm not worried about this. Faith expresses itself in many different ways, some visible, some invisible. But it can't be contained. Unexpressed faith is only an opinion. Faith has to work itself out, and it must be approved. Did you notice, or have you thought, ever thought about this? No one in the Old Testament, no one in the New Testament had seven keys to a breakthrough. No one had four steps to getting your prayer answered before God. So here's the woman, her daughter's demon-possessed. Well, what do I got to do? First I got to kneel, and first I got to... No, no. It was where they were, as they were, genuine, authentic expression to God. Some of it was kind of simple. Lord, Help! You need to be more articulate. You need to have two verses. Help! Help me! Help me! And I'm being silly, but it's true. And it moved the Lord. It moved him because it came to him and it was authentic. And we're so busy trying to be like someone on television that we can't articulate our faith. My faith may be weak, but it's my weak faith. My faith may have some hiccups and giddy-ups in it, but it's mine, and God wants mine. He wants my worship. He wants me as I am, saying, I believe that you are. 
and that you're a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. I believe the grass wither and the flower falls away, but your word stands forever. I believe, O Lord, that forever your word is settled in heaven. I believe you're my refuge, my strength, my shelter, my hope, my source. I believe you go before me. I believe you my rear reward. And I believe underneath my life are your everlasting arms. I believe he wants that from me. He wants the, I don't know what I'm going to do, oh Lord. I'm at the end of myself. My strength is gone. My tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. And I have nowhere else to go, but my eyes are on you. He wants my faith. God, I don't have enough to do what I need to do for my family, but I'm still going to honor you first, not because the preacher hinted, not because someone's manipulating me or casting need before me. I'm not driven by need. I'm driven by gratitude. And I bless you, O Lord. He wants my faith expressed in my worship. Person beside me when we stand in worship, sitting scratching and coming in late and playing on a phone, I can't bother with you. You may not know what I know. You may not be aware of what he's done for you, and you may not have come as far back as I've come, but you can sit there paralyzed if you want to. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I didn't like that part. When you get to Burger King, I didn't even like that part. So we'll skip in honor of you. Number two. Authentic faith is powerful. It saves you. Well, does it flip the light switch? No. It's the channel by which grace comes. Expressed faith. A firm, relying, exclusive trust in Jesus Christ. It keeps you. 1 Peter 1 says this. Blessed be God, who according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Listen. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith, unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last day. I didn't bring anything to the table but a firm reliance, an exclusive trust in the Lord, and that's all I have. And I am kept. So does the faith keep me? No. God keeps you. In response to the faith that, Lord, you're the only Savior I got, then I'm saving you. Well, wait a minute, saving you. I was saved, I'm being saved, and I shall be saved. I'm kept. Well, Brother John, are you, are you, do you believe in eternal, unconditional eternal security? Do you believe in eternal security or just securing the eternal? Do you believe that I'm kept? Stop. Well, can a man forfeit his salvation? Because I know that a lot of people say that you can, and other people say that you can't. And Jude speaks of twice dead, plucked up by the root. So that's dead in sin, alive unto God, and dead again. That's twice dead. Which do you believe? I'm kept. I did a study one time early in my faith on unconditional eternal security. Because I had the Baptist people hollering at me from this side, eternal security, eternal security, eternal security. And way off this way, some wing dingers were telling me you could be saved on Friday and lost Monday. You, you ever met that? I'm serious. They've been saved like 106 times, you know. And somewhere between that was the truth. You know what I came to a conclusion of? I mean, after probably 100 hours. I wrote out all this stuff, and back then there was no computer. We did legal pads. You remember, flip the page over. And then when it started to tear, you go, oh, no, because it won't ever do right after that if you're obsessive and you want it even after that. If it starts tearing, it's over. It's over. So I did it all, and I wrote it all out, and I got to the last page, 
just bunches, bunches and bunches of pages. And I wrote, conclusion of the matter. Those that worry about it should. I had a lady tell me after preaching not too long ago, she was preaching about the rapture of the church and catching the waves. First Thessalonians 4. First Corinthians, it just talks about it over and over and over. She goes, she came up to me afterwards. She goes, the Lord showed me I'm going through the tribulation. And I said, he did. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I'm, I, I'm not planning on going through it. The Lord showed me I'm going through the tribulation. I went, I believe you. Think about it. <laughs> if he showed you you're going through, you're going through. And if I go through it, I'm still going home. My point is this. Your faith is not only personal, it's simple. I'm not trusting in my grip on God. I'm trusting in God's grip on me. God has me. He holds me. I'm holding on. That's scary. How you doing? I'm holding on. Your fingers don't look too good. I ain't worried about it. Because I know and I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, principalities, powers, things present, nothing to come, no height, no depth, no creature, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And that faith means I am kept. 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 That means they got to peel his fingers back. They ain't messing with God. My Bible tells me I can just say his name and the joints in the legs of demons tremble. You ain't taking my faith. Oh, the devil's after us. I got a witch in the neighborhood. She has a... <laughs> I had a lady tell me one time, their porch light is a black light. I... Oh, where do you start? I'm like, you're not going to say you're sure because a black light, you know, but is that just like the epitome of evil or something? That lady might not have no bulbs in the house and it went in her daughter's room and unscrewed one, put it up in there. I don't know. But John, John, and down the street, and I'm making light to drive home a point, okay? I, I, I understand evil, and I understand the devil is as a roaring lion, and I understand that he is consuming Christians. I got that. But I ain't worried about it. If they're getting consumed, that means they're in proximity to be consumed and something that is tasty to the enemy. John, and down the street, they're devil worshipers, and they drew a pentagram in the yard. Killed a chicken. <laughs> My first thought, did they fry that bad boy up? Did somebody <laughs> eat him? That's my first thought. You're going to draw in your yard and think I'm intimidated? I've been redeemed with the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> redeemed. We got to go do something about that. The grass is going to burn up. They're going to mow it over. Ain't no worried about nothing. You do what you're going to do. And you can curse me and hex me and do a voodoo doll if you do make it very slim, please. I'm, I'm striving. Toward. Whatever you're going to do, I am kept by the power of God through faith and I ain't worried about it. Don't need no priest. Don't need no bishop. Don't need no beads. Don't need no candles. And I sure don't need a dead saint praying for me. Christ died for me and ever liveth to make intercession for me, I'm kept. I'm kept. I'm kept. It guides you. The Bible says that 
The righteousness of God is revealed both springing from faith and leading to faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live and shall live by faith. Faith, so what do you mean? How do I live by faith? With a firm, exclusive reliance upon Jesus Christ. And the righteousness of God is revealed over and over in depths and in nuances and in colors in ways that it just continually changes how broad your perspective is of him. And the larger God gets, the smaller everything and everyone else gets. And righteousness, a right standing with God is imparted and it increases in my life as I recognize him and serve him and surrender to him and testify of him. And it positions you. This part is true. Faith positions you to give to God of your life, your expressions, your gratitude, to receive from God, to grow and mature and to be used by God in the lives of others. Everything flows from faith. You are limited by or propelled by your faith in God. What does your belief system in God look like? How narrow is it? How deep is it? How steady is the stream flowing into you? Faith is the channel. Faith is the starting point. It's the middle point. And it culminates in us finally seeing. See, right now we see through a glass darkly, but then faith face to face. Faith will expire. When we get home, there's no need in hoping for things I haven't seen. I'm seeing heaven. I'm seeing the Son of God. I'm seeing eternity. I'm seeing God's glory. I'm seeing His majesty. But just because it's going to expire then, don't you undermine it today. It is, everything is attached to your faith. And if it's a misconception in the beginning, you're going to hit speed bumps all along the way. Authentic faith is powerful. It saves you, keeps you, guides you, and positions you. Number three, authentic faith is proven. I'm just enjoying this tomorrow. If nobody else enjoys it, I'm enjoying this. I like teaching. <laughs> Thank you. I lost my handkerchief. Where's my handkerchief? Did somebody? This one's for show, not for blowing. I don't know what happened. What? Thank you, Sandra. I thought Henry Davis grabbed it. He does stuff like that. Thank you. And it was clean, by the way. Hadn't used it yet. Authentic faith is proven. Now listen. Faith, the value of faith is not determined by how much you have. It is determined, the value of faith is determined by the object it is placed upon. This is a misconception. And if I study enough, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if I study enough, and if I know enough, and I pray enough, and I believe enough, and I can, oh, make sure you confess. Stand in front of the mirror, you know, I'm tall and I'm not fat. I'm tall and I'm not fat. Well, you know, confession's wonderful, and I'm going to get to that. See, I have to make fun of the excess to show you the importance of the other, okay? So faith expressed, faith genuine, but, it, but it's only... The only value found in faith is if the object is correct. It's not about having great faith. It's about having the authentic uh, or proven object. And prove it to you. How many Falcon fans in here? I got faith 
that this is the year I've got the hat, I got the bumper sticker, I got the grill, I got the finger, uh, not that finger, I got a long finger that you wave like this, I've got defense painted white, I've got my Falcon friends, we got Falcon hats, and then you get into the season and you're two and nine, and you realize that your faith was ineffective not because you did not have it, it's the object of your faith was not deserving of the Oh, well, I was taught that the important thing is that my faith looks right and sounds right and I present myself right and I'm articulate and I'm powerful. If the object's no good, the faith is no good. I like stuff that works. Y'all have heard me say this. I'm going to say it again because it just fits here. If it don't work, get rid of it. Got a refrigerator and everything's hot in the refrigerator. Sorry, refrigerator ain't cooling. Here's a hot Diet Coke. pour it on a silk flower and it dies. <laughs> refrigerator don't work. Lady, your refrigerator don't work. Get you a new refrigerator. Your dog don't come to you, get another dog. It's got, it's supposed to work. I went, to, I've been to people's house before and you walk in, oh, come on in the den, come on in the den. Oh, don't sit there. Dear Lord. You know when people scream and you get all that electricity in your fingers, it's like you think you're going to have a heart attack. You're like, what? Uh, th that one will break. I remember asking a lady one time, I said, see, I won't just let it lie. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll go, why you got it in here? And Kelly will go, oh, God, oh, God, don't, don't let him do it. She'll do just like that. She'll go, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, Jesus. I'm serious. Well, that has a, a sentimental, and I, I understand sentiment. I said, but it's in your den. A chair is designed to sit in, okay? If it's not a chair, hang it on the wall. Like it's sentimental, right? You know, hang it on a chain and go, that's where Grandmama Joe used to sit, okay? But if I, uh, oh, you had faith in that chair today. You had faith in that one to hold you up. And if it don't hold you up, then all the faith in the world is to nothing. And we have taught the last generation to value their faith and not the object of their faith. I do not have faith in my faith. My faith can tremble and receive miracles. My faith can be uh, as small as a mustard seed, but because it's alive and it's organic, the Bible said anything's possible to John. So if the great faith gets the reward, if the great faith gets the answer, guess who gets the glory? The faith. Now, I'm not saying it's a joy to have weak faith or small faith. I'm saying our confidence is in the object. And I don't have faith in a higher power. I don't have faith in an all-seeing eye or one of many gods. I have faith in God the Father through Christ the Lord, and that object never fails. Never fails. It's only as good as its motive. I told you it's only as good as its object, its motive. If the motive of your faith is to receive first, it is not pure faith. Well, what do you mean? God tells us, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, you shall have them. Yes, and that's valid, but you have to take it in the context of the Bible. I don't want anything in my life that does not bring glory to the Lord. 
And I don't want anything in my life that he doesn't want me to have. So here's the balance. The motive of my faith is to receive so that I can be a blessing to other people and have my needs met, not worry, because I want my life to be an advertisement for the joys and glories of being a servant of Jesus Christ. So if my motive is just to get, how are we any different from the man that bows in a shrine temple? How are we any different from the man that beats himself on the back with a whip so he can gain favor or gain a blessing? My motive when I pray is that my life would bring glory. And here's the way I pray it. I'll pray over my babies and who are sick at home this week. And I prayed over them with tears this week. And I said, Lord, so that you might see, receive glory in this house through the health of our children. And I'm praying. So the expectation's there, but the motive is not just get what I want. Children just want to get what they want. A beggar looks for the hand. A lover looks for the face. And God knows the difference between a beggar and a lover. I know I'm going to get from your hand, but I want to know you. I want my life to bring pleasure to you. I want my life to reflect your glory and your image. Faith is only as good as its origin. If it doesn't begin with God, that's why faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If your faith comes from inspirational speeches or motivational speakers, then it's bastard faith. It's illegitimate. Don't bring anything... Okay, in the Federal Reserve System, which is a whole other story, you can't bring anything to commerce to buy or sell that they didn't make. Here's some Monopoly money. I want, I want that rotisserie chicken. I lay it down at public. She says, you're an idiot. No, this is, this is $20. It's money. Watch. You ready for something profound? I believe. <laughs> uh, oh! And somebody else gets behind him. I believe too. Mm! It's 20. You're an idiot. I had a dream, and an angel came to me and told me that this was real and that you're an idiot and you're not getting any chicken. How can we see it in one realm and not in the other? We're going to bring God something he didn't originate? I'm going to bring something to you you did not endorse? Our faith must come from our understanding of who God is through the word. It must be authentic. And if he finds in the DNA the origins of what he created, he accepts. I'm not coming with a, uh, with a posture alone. I'm not coming with a system. I'm coming with that which you deposited in me. You gave me the ability to hear your voice. I can prove it to you. Spiritually speaking, you are dead in trespasses and sins. Dead people don't hear. How did you hear the gospel? It's a miracle. He graced you to hear. He gave you a measure of faith. Conviction is only God giving you permission to repent. And when we come to him with that same thing he gave to us, he sees it and he accepts it. So it has to be, the origin has to be right for it to be right. It can't be anything different. And crowds of people can line up with Monopoly money. It's not accepted. It must originate with God. It can't originate with Pastor John or Grandma. or so. It must originate with God and your view your belief system from your soul saying, I agree with you. That's how a person's saved. So watch. 
A person is not saved by accepting Jesus Christ into their heart. That's not in the Bible. I understand what they're saying because the Holy Spirit comes in. That's not how you're saved. A person is saved by accepting God's verdict of judgment upon their life. You are a sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one, and the wages of sin is death. You're right. Is there any mercy for me? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And you say, I accept your verdict on my life, and I will appeal to mercy and take the grace that you give me. How can that be, John? Because the road, the channel, I believe that you're merciful. And that faith allows the grace to come to me, you see? I don't just say, Jesus, come into my heart. That's not faith. That's something we've heard somebody say. Now, what happens when you're saved? God comes into your life, your soul. Yeah, he fills you. But that's, that's not faith come into my heart. Faith is, I believe what your scripture says, that I'm hopeless and helpless and without God, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope in this world. But God, who is rich in mercy, offers me grace. So salvation by grace through faith, not of works, because dead people can't work. I remember when I saw that for the first time. So if I'm dead, how can I do anything? And you were dead in trespasses and sins, and he quickened you and brought you to life through faith, faith in his word. It is only good as its works. I may be on part one next week. Sorry. I'm not sorry. I just... Authentic faith is only as good as it works. Ephesians 2, 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. People get hung up on this faith works, faith works, and it's very, very simple. We do not do works in pursuit of God. Our works flow from a relationship with God. It's that simple. Faith without works is dead. I believe, and your life is not spent serving the Lord? No, you don't. I do believe. Oh, yeah, you, you have a mental agreement that God exists. Faith produces works, works of service. Y'all are doing, you said you're doing bingo again. Senior citizens, bingo. Hmm. It ain't gambling if you win, baby. It ain't gambling if you win. I just thought it was <laughs> Y'all pray for me. I feel just smart today, like a smarty aleck or something. Good thing Kelly don't have to put up with me today. Um, but spending your life for the seniors, you're like, how did that come to be? Did you draw out a plan? You said, I just felt like I should and like I, I want, and joy. See how organic it is? It flows naturally. The problem is we're trying to create Christian behavior in people that aren't born again. Apple trees don't, okay. Duh! What's it look like down there? Nothing over here. Apple trees just hang out in the soil, soak up the elements and grow apples. Do you know why, why Christians have works? Because they're Christians. Isn't that simple? It's so simple a child can get it and preachers have made profoundly simple things profoundly difficult. It's authentic and you can show it by its works. Jesus said, by your fruit that you'll know them. They're not self-centered and with all due respect, much of the faith message is, is self-centered. 
about getting something from God. Listen, God is rich towards us. That's why I don't have to manipulate to get anything from him. I want to spend my life getting substance out of me towards him, knowing that goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. I'm going to be blessed beyond measure. But the faith that the end game is to get something from God, as we look through Hebrews 11, it's not the end game. It's part of the game. It's because God's not going to let you out give him. But faith is about a surrendered life to the Lord. It's as only as good as its steadfastness. It's as only as good as its patience. Through faith and patience, you inherit the promises. Faith that can't wait. That's what proves faith. You know it's genuine faith when it won't let go. It won't let go. I just believe that God is. I just believe that God's a healer. Well, the doctor's report, listen, I appreciate the doctors. That's why I'm here. I'm not discounting their medical attention. But the word tells me that he forgiveth all my iniquities. He healeth all my diseases. And this says this is a disease. And so I'm looking to the healer. That's just what I'm doing. Well, what if you die? Then I open my eyes in front of the God who glorifies me. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's okay. And authentic faith is only as good as its fruit. Number four. Authentic faith is prepared. Which means it's willing. Prepared, prepared, before preparing, getting something ready. I don't like when people invite me over the house and they start cooking when I get there. No one will say that and, you know, oh, hi, how are y'all? And ain't nothing on the table. And Kelly, Kelly talks to me all the time. She'll go, people can tell on you. You're not subtle. I walk in and I go, oh, y'all, we we're not ready to eat? And Kelly, And then you're there about 10 minutes and you're hoping something's going on and he walks in with the bags of groceries and you go. I'm looking for the 11 year old. I go, go get me something out of the pantry. Go get me a snack. What you got in there? What you got hid? Tell me. Bring them down later. Don't tell me you ain't got them. Bring me something. Prepared, which means I was anticipating this coming. Okay, now watch. Oh, I've made room for the blessing. That's not what I'm talking about. My faith is prepared to be vulnerable. Simon walking on the water, starting a church. And Lord bless Drew and Kim today in Radiant Church and all that they're doing. Faith to be vulnerable, to step out and say, I'm believing God for this. And even if it doesn't happen, you look like a fool. Simon says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. And he said, come. He's standing on the water. He's standing on the water. And Simon says, now watch. He's not getting something out of God. Something's coming out of him. He said, if it's you, God, if it's you, Jesus, if you are who I think you are, give me the word. Come. On one word, Simon did the impossible. On one word, he did something in that moment he couldn't do the moment before. In one word, Simon did some, he walked on something that other people would drown in. In one word. But then he failed. 
He took his eyes off Jesus. The storm was still going on. So this wasn't a sea of glass. This is a storm. Waves hitting him up in the shins and, you know, knock. And he began to sink and he said, Lord, save me. And Jesus reached and said, why is it you didn't have any faith? Okay, time out. I'm not being disrespectful. Here's how my carnal mind thinks. No faith. Look at these other 11 catfishes in the boat over here. That's my first thought. Here's some no faith over here. And guys in sports understand this. There's people, if you're playing basketball five on five, you don't even cover them. They're a self-check. Just leave them alone. They ain't going to do nothing. Leave them alone. So Jesus isn't correcting them, but they ain't even doing nothing. He's trying to, watch, bring something out of Simon. He's not even addressing them. You know what they got out of this? Blisters. Simon walked on the water. He sunk. And he said, Simon, you didn't have any faith. And I'm thinking, I had a little faith. <laughs> I did a little something. So, How did he get back to the boat? Did Jesus carry him? No. He walked back to the boat. His friends are watching him come towards him. And the Bible said they got on the boat and they all began to worship the Lord. James and John, Peter and Andrew, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, Judas Iscariot. But one of them was worshiping with wet clothes. And Simon's dripping with failure and exhilarated with glory because his faith saw the divine. Faith is not about living perfectly. It's about pleasing God and entering into the things that he's doing. It's not about being perfect. Simon sunk. Simon walked on the water. And we're so scared of failing that we never do anything. Ben, if, Lisa, would you mind coming and playing this morning? Or is it, is it set up for Ben? I don't, y'all musicians have your own stuff. Is it set up? Okay. Ben looks very cozy, and Rachel's got his arm and everything, and they're just all, they're all secure over here. Y'all were taking notes, so there was not much romance right there. They got great notes, though. They got warm fuzzies. Andy got notes, though. Them warm fuzzies won't help you when the devil comes in. You know I'm just buying time till you get it, but that was all I was doing. <laughs> Faith is the most scary, exhilarating, surprising miraculous, fulfilling thing you'll ever do. When you step out and declare who God is for you, as for me and my family, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to sound like a martyr. You know, my story before you is my message. There's the preaching and the teaching. You've watched me for 21 years. I stood on this stage years ago and told you my wife was coming home. I believed. And I'm not slandering or sliding her. She was a beautiful, wonderful woman. And if you ever say anything bad about her, you and I are enemies. 
I have nothing bad to say about her. But I believed. I stood on this stage and I told you. And it didn't happen like I thought. The object of my faith was good. My request was in the will of God and it didn't happen. And our fear is that we're gonna look like a fool to somebody. So what do you do? You pick up the pieces of your disappointment and you go, I don't know. I don't know what happened. And then it came time. The Lord restored my life, granted me a, someone else to spend my life with. And we're praying for children. What you gonna do, John? My flesh said, the last thing you're gonna do is stand on the stage and say, but my object is still there. <laughs> and the Lord gave me a word. I'm not a guy that gets words all the time. I, I, I prayed last night that I would hear more from him. And I want more where I just know he's talking to me and speaking to me. And he spoke to me a phrase I'd never heard in my life. See, for those of you visiting, we can't have children. I'm sterile. Can't have kids. Well, the Lord can heal. Oh, I know, but we in the natural can't have kids. And the Lord spoke to me. I told him, I said, I know you can. Listen, if you created me as a baby, you put seed in the baby. You can give me seed today. I'm not confused about anything being hard for you. I just, my wife longs for children so much. And I'm asking you, you're the object. And he spoke to my heart. He said, you will not find your children. They'll find you. I wrote it down, I showed it to Kelly. And here she is grieving, she didn't hear the word. See, I heard it from the Lord's spirit, she heard it from John the carnal, you know, so it didn't have quite the impact. And she said, so we're not gonna call anybody? I said, not if they're gonna find us. No adoption agency, no nothing. We just sat at home waiting for the phone to ring. So see, when I stepped out and told y'all, again, Read my lips. Our children are going to find us. There are the vulnerabilities that lead to sinking people. But there are glories. When I, how many of you here when we walked that baby out from behind here? And that second baby. Okay. You think I was impressed with me? Ah, oh, it was your faith. Mm, mm, mm. The object. The one that promises and moves heaven and earth to keep his word. When you see it happen in someone's life, that's why the body is so important. In my lowest times, you might be my commercial. I might see that miracle you and grief shared with me years ago. I still think about that. It is vulnerable, but it's what makes us alive. Is your faith today genuine? Is it authentic? Is it expressed? Is it God-centered? And if it is, you ought to be scared and excited at the same time. Because here's why. Please don't just take this as Pastor Johnson. Because anything is possible to the one that believes. I feel in my spirit to speak it over this room. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. When you come before God 
and you're scraping the bottom of your soul and you say, this is who I am. This is what I have. This is where I've been. No pretense, no show, no cliches, no formulas, no secrets. But I want you to know that I believe you are who you say you are for my life. And I trust you inexplicitly. Be ready, baby. Because God is moved. He said, woman, I ain't seen faith like that in all of Israel. And he would just go, be it unto you. Was it how she prayed or what she expressed to God about himself? Yeah, that's it. That's the point. By faith, by faith, by faith. So over the next several weeks, we're going to study this thing called faith. And we're going to evaluate what ours looks like. Where did it come from? We may have to remodel. And some of us may find uh, bugs in the rice and just throw the whole bag out. We know we're saved, but that faith is, it's, let's just go get some new. Get, get some long grain. We're going to start over, okay? And I'm believing, I'm believing that we're going to be so balanced that when the miracles happen, we're not even going to be surprised. <laughs> we just go, that's just how he does. That's who God is. Would you stand with us this morning? I would ask that everyone in this room, to whatever degree you can, participate right here. I want you just to respond to the Lord. Not a thought, but out loud. And you don't have to say it loud enough for anybody else to hear you, but to say it. What do you believe he's either saying to you or what do you want to say to him in response to this? I want you just to dialogue with him and talk to him. Here's where it is, Lord. Here's what what I'm thinking. Dialogue with the Lord. Church family, would you look this way right as we close? Pastor John, how can we study for this? How, how? Take a concordance and look up the word faith. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And just read the verses. I don't have the intelligence to put this in the right categories. The more I prepared the other day, it just like a tar baby. It kept getting bigger and bigger. And I'm like, so we're going to be kind of like a fat man going through a barbed wire fence. Here a point, there a point, you know? That's just, I'm sorry. Today it's just coming out. Hey, the Lord designed me this way. I believe. I believe that's how he made me. But as you get to that verse, see if it corrects a way of thinking, adds to a way of thinking, you know, so where we're just anything studying about faith and then ask this question. What is this verse? What do you want out of me from this, O Lord? What do you want out of me? And from that, I believe we're going to make divine 
it's gonna be like elements touching, combustible elements for the glory of the Lord because God's will and intention is for us. Jesus said, this, final, this is my last final thing, I promise, I promise, I promise. He cursed a fig tree one day because it showed leaves like it was producing fruit and he went to look for it and there was no fruit and he cursed it. He didn't use four letter words, he cursed it. He commanded it to die. And the next day they come by and the disciples were amazed that not only was the tree dead, it was withered up at the root. The roots had come up out of the ground. And they were like, Jesus, the tree. And he goes, have faith in God. What all does that mean? I don't know, let's find out. Have faith. Have, have faith in his ability to shut doors and open doors and have faith that if he says it, you ain't got to understand and comprehend it all. Just yes, Lord, yes. And let there be a yes in our soul, okay? Have a good week. God bless you. I love you. God bless you.